Please join me in finding our passage of Scripture. It should be on an insert in your bulletin found in the 16th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. And while you're looking for that, I want to say a word of special welcome to Martin and Beth and their family who are here with us again all the way from Wales. You know, over the last, uh, say, eight or ten years, we've been sending uh, mission teams to Wales periodically, and we normally end up at the church in Pontypridd, and they are here from that church visiting us today on Easter, and we're glad to have them. They'll be in the covered dish luncheon, and you might have an opportunity to speak to them and, and welcome them again. We appreciate your being here with us. Let us read the Word of God together. When the Sabbath was passed... Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid." Following his assassination, the body of Abraham Lincoln was buried in Oak Ridge Cemetery in Springfield, Illinois, and believe it or not, for many different times over succeeding years, people made attempts to steal his body from the grave and hold it for ransom. And finally, this had occurred so many times that Robert Todd Lincoln, his son, decided that to prevent the theft, we need to build a permanent crypt. And so on September of 1901, the body of Abraham Lincoln was exhumed so it could be reinterred in that newly built structure. Now, the 23 people present for the relocation of Lincoln's coffin that day were afraid that someone really might have been successful in stealing his body, and so they decided they would open the coffin. And his body was still there, still recognizable after more than 30 years in the grave because of all of the many different embalmings that had taken place. 
It's a strange and bizarre story to be sure, but after that day, no one in Lincoln's family ever had to worry about his body being stolen again because his coffin was put down and 4,000 pounds of concrete surrounded by a cage covered over by a solid slab of rock. And even today, his tomb is visited by more than a million people every year. People for whom Abraham the man is important and what he accomplished and what he stood for, they make that journey. They go to that effort. Now we see something similar happening in this passage this morning in that these women are also making an effort to take the journey to his tomb because of who Jesus was and what he meant to them. In fact, in some ways, he was their whole world. And they were hoping to carry out this last act of love and devotion that they could accomplish as they planned to anoint his body with spices for burial. But in the cool air of that early morning, on the first day of the week, they discovered an incomprehensible fact. The huge stone the very stone they had been worried about, about how it would be moved, was rolled away and the body of Jesus was gone. They might have thought that someone had taken his body, except in his place there was a young man dressed in a white robe who had words for them. Don't be afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. Go tell His disciples and Peter that He's gone before you into Galilee just as He said He would. Now, you maybe haven't read the beginning of the Gospel of Mark lately, but Mark begins not like Matthew and Luke. You know, Matthew and Luke have those wonderful Christmas stories, those passages of Scripture that we use during the season of Advent, and they have genealogies where we can see the family tree of Jesus Christ. But Mark is not like that at all. He's in such a hurry to tell his story that not only is his most favorite word immediately, but he also begins with the messenger we know as John the Baptist who is going to tell what God is about to do. That's how Mark's gospel of Jesus Christ begins. We read in Mark 1 where John the Baptist says, After me comes he who is mightier than I. I have baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This gospel of Mark begins with God announcing what He is about to do in the gift of His own Son, Jesus Christ, through John the Baptist, His messenger. And it ends here in this passage with another messenger from God, an angel, announcing what God has done. Jesus is alive. He's risen, and if you go to Galilee, you'll see Him 
because He goes before you just as He told you. So with that said, we can see that this passage points us to two truths and one command. We see the truth of the resurrection. We also see the truth that Jesus goes before us. That's in the present. And we also see the command to go and tell this good news. And so we'll spend our time this morning with those three points. And let's begin with the truth of the resurrection because after all, that's what Easter is. There is no Easter without the words, He is not here, He's risen, as He said. Easter equals the resurrection. In fact, if you look that word up in your dictionary, you'll find a definition similar to this, an annual Christian festival celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And the resurrection of Jesus is all important because as Paul points out in 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ has not been dead, then I might as well sit down because my preaching is in vain. There's nothing for me to do anymore if Christ is not raised from the dead. If Christ is not raised from the dead, your faith is in vain and you're still dead in your sins. That's how important the resurrection is. In fact, as Paul begins this section of teaching on the resurrection, he says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. The truth of the resurrection is what Paul taught because that is what he had received. That is what he had been taught. And this is what he delivered to others The importance of the resurrection is what's stressed in the very first Christian sermon we see recorded for us in Scripture found in Acts chapter 2, Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. You know, when the Holy Spirit comes down and forms the church of Jesus Christ, Peter preaches in Jerusalem that day and he finds his text in the prophet Joel, the second chapter, and he also quotes Psalm 16, David. In Psalm 16. And he talked about how God raised Jesus from the dead. For he said, God raised him up, having loosed the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, and this is where he quotes Psalm 16, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore... My heart was glad, my tongue rejoiced, my flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor will you let your Holy One see corruption. And then Peter says something very interesting in that sermon. He says, David died and was buried... And his tomb is with us to this day. 
Now, do you see what he's saying indirectly? He's saying we can go and look at David's tomb and we'll find his bones right there in that tomb. Just like Abraham Lincoln's skeleton is in his tomb. Just like the unknown soldier's bones are in that tomb. But Jesus' tomb is empty. There's no skeleton to be found because He's not there. He's risen, as He said. In other words, He's not just someone in history. Jesus is not just a memory to be remembered. He's a living presence. He's not someone we discuss. He's someone we meet and come to know. And that's why the resurrection is so important. Because He's alive. And that's why our flesh can still have hope as David talks about there in Psalm 16. But as we look at this text, it's not just that he's risen. As wonderful news as that is, but there's more good news. He's risen and he's also going before us. This is great hope and it should not surprise us. Because Jesus is always ahead of His people. That's why you and I are called followers. In Mark 10, 32 we read, And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. Now picture that in your minds. They're on the way to Jerusalem. Jesus knows what's going to happen in Jerusalem. He knows He's going to the cross. He knows He's going to be crucified. And he's walking ahead of the group, steadfastly going to carry out the will of God his Father. And we're told there that they were amazed. Meaning they were amazed that Jesus was on his way to the very city where the people had promised they would kill him. And we're also told there, and those who followed were afraid. I think afraid of what might happen to Jesus, but also afraid of what might happen to them as collateral damage. And Jesus had told them after the Last Supper that once He was raised up, He would go before them to Galilee. And you know, there are different ways we can interpret that verb to go before. Because some Greek writers use this same verb for leading troops forward or a commander making an advance in a military type situation. And with that meaning in mind, we can see that Jesus will be leading His church. He'll be leading this church. And every congregation out there that proclaims His name into the spiritual battles that are inevitable for those of us who are God's people. You know, the book of Ephesians talks a lot about the spiritual battles we'll have, as does the book of Revelation. We don't have to go into battle alone. Jesus is the one who sets the strategy. He's the one with the battle plan. And not only that, but we're able to use the weapons and the the armor that He supplies. But there's also another way to interpret this good news of Jesus going before us rather than just that 
military analogy. And it speaks to us more individually. Psalm 23 gives us a good glimpse of that meaning. Most of you know Psalm 23. Say just the first line or two with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Now, now did you notice what happens there? He restores our soul, but He does that after what? After He leads us. After He goes before us. You know, there are many kinds of leadership. You know, there are some people who are leaders and they lead us where we don't want to go. That happened to some extent to our denomination back in the 1940s. You know, there was a big battle brewing in our denomination then. I know most of us weren't even alive then. Some of us weren't even on this earth and many of us were here. Some of you may remember this. It was whether to use hymns or not in public worship. Now, we smile at that now, but if you go back and read all the old minutes, you know it was a knockdown, drag-out fight. And the leadership in our denomination, or at least a majority of them, said that we would use and could use hymns in public worship and not just psalms, which is what we had always done, And in 1946, that kind of became the law of the land for the ARPs. We could use hymns if we wished. And there were many people in our denomination and many people in this very congregation who did not want to go that route. And that's why in the red hymn book that we use, or this is one reason, there are so many psalms. That hymn book was a compromise of sorts. Because lots of times when we sing out of this red hymnal, we may call it a hymn of praise or a hymn of dedication, but it's a psalm, and it's right out of the Psalter. There are people like that who oftentimes lead us where we don't want to go, but there are also people who lead us where we need to be. And this is the way that God leads He leads us where we need to be. Sometimes with His leadership, we may also be going places we don't want to go. But He always takes us where we need to be. He knows what it will take to restore our souls and He goes before us so that we can arrive at that restoration. Think of the children of Israel after Moses led them out of the land of Egypt. They're free people. And what does God do? He leads them right into the desert. Do you think the children of Israel wanted to go out in the desert? I mean, do you want to live in the desert? We get it from Scripture that they weren't happy with that at all. They had to worry about water. They had to worry about food. There were reptiles. There were all kinds of challenges out there, but yet it was exactly where they needed to be in order to learn to depend on God for every single thing they needed in life. Jesus leads in this same way. 
And the reason we need to look at Psalm 23 is because Jesus has consistently tied the promise that He would go before them to the fact that He is the shepherd. He's consistently tied those two together. Think about how He's fed His flock. Mark 6 records it for us when He says, As He went ashore, that is Jesus, He saw a great throng. And He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And He began to teach them many things. On that specific occasion, He fed them with the Word of God, but then He turned around and fed them with bread and fish as well because that's Mark's version of the feeding of the 5,000. But of course, He's done more than simply feed His flock, hasn't He? He's given His life for them, which as He told the disciples, will scatter you, but then I'll, I'll gather you back into the fold once again. Remember what he says in John 10. I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd does what? He lays down his life for the sheep. And this is where he also says he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he is brought out all of his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice. You see, Jesus goes before you and me each and every day. He's like a shepherd. And we have to ask ourselves, do we know His voice? That's what Jesus says here, that my sheep will know my voice and that's how they'll know to follow me. As we think about this truth of Jesus going before us, that's one way we can apply it. Do we really know His voice? And do we listen to His voice? The sheep might not always like where they go. We may even be afraid on the journey, but we know His voice and He goes before us to lead us regardless of what happens in our world and in our life. He restores our soul. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil because He is with us. His rod and His staff, they comfort us. Jesus goes before us even now in these uncertain times, making sure that we hear His voice and He still calls us to follow Him. And this analogy of sheep works so well for our passage because these women are sort of like sheep in that they are commanded to go and tell His disciples and what do they do? They do what you and I would have done. They run away in fear. Isaiah 53 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. And that's exactly what these women did. They were expressly told to go and tell and in fear they run away and they're silent. They go their own way. And the manner in which this passage ends so abruptly forces us, as one commentator put it, to enter the story. We are the next chapter. What will we do now that we have this good news of the resurrection? You know, there's something interesting to notice 
that I'd never noticed before until doing study for this sermon. And that is that God does not proclaim the good news of the resurrection just to be telling good news. He proclaims the good news of the resurrection so as to enlist His people in a task. What does He want us to do with this news? I mean, maybe we haven't seen any angels, but we know that Jesus Christ is alive because of the changes He's made in our lives. We know He's alive because of the answers to prayer that we've seen. We know He's alive because of the miracles we've experienced in our own lives, those unexplainable times when God has taken care of us over and over again. We know He's alive because of the changes we've seen wrought in so many people around us. What are we going to do? We can be silent and afraid, or we can go and tell because Jesus goes before us and is still with us as our risen Lord and Savior. In his book, When Your Rope Breaks, Steve Brown, who's on the radio, some of you may listen to his Key Life radio program out of Florida. He tells the story of the unexpected death of his brother Ron when Ron was just in his 40s from a massive heart attack. And he says his brother Ron was a a good father, that he was a, a busy district attorney in the community in which he lived that he was a fine man in all sorts of ways. And Steve Brown says, you know, he was gone so quickly I didn't even get to say goodbye. And we pick up the story in his words. He says, three or four weeks after his death, while visiting my mother, I went to the cemetery in the mountains where we had buried my brother Ron. It was a cold, rainy, late winter afternoon, the kind of weather that just sort of chills you to the bone. And when I got to the cemetery, I couldn't find the place where Ron was buried because a stone had not yet been placed on his grave and a lot of other new graves had been put in that same general area. And as I stood in the cold and the wind and the rain, I began to sob and tell God, God, this is the worst month of my life and now I can't even find my brother's grave. And he said it was just like Jesus was right beside of him. And he said to him, Why are you seeking the living among the dead? Why? Why do you seek the living among the dead? You see, that's the good news of Easter. That whenever we find ourselves in places of death, whether it's a tomb or a cemetery or a hospital or some diagnosis or whatever it happens to be, that we encounter life in Jesus Christ who is the resurrection and the life because that tomb in Jerusalem is empty. There are millions and millions and millions of people who visit that tomb every year and they never see a single bone because He's not there. 
He's risen, as He said. It's the good news of the gospel, and it's the good news of Easter. Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift and His power upon you and me as we proclaim that good news to others. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Dear Father, we thank You for this beautiful Lord's Day that You have given unto us. A day to proclaim again and again with Your angels, with Your apostles, with Your disciples, with all those people who have loved the Lord Jesus that He is risen, as He said. And we thank You for that wonderful news and also the news that He goes before us just as He told us He would. We're thankful for His leadership, thankful for the power and presence of Your Holy Spirit at work in our world and in our lives, and thankful for the way in which uh, You continue to lead us as a shepherd to the places right where we need to be so that our souls can enjoy that restoration. We thank you, dear Father, for your presence here in this place today. We thank you for each one and each family represented. And we're thankful that we've all come together this day to hear the news that death does not win in the end. That indeed... Your grace gives us the victory in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that. And we thank you for the way that you continue to pour out your comfort upon those who are grieving. We thank you for the way in which you continue to pour out your healing power upon those who are ill. And we do... uh, continue to pray today for Miss Hazel Rhodes. We know that she's in the hospital and doing much better and we give you thanks for that. We pray that your healing power would continue to be at work in her life to bring her home soon and we thank you for the good care that she's received. We thank you too for your watchfulness over our children and our young people and the safety and protection you bring to them and we continue to pray for your Holy Spirit, to work in their hearts so that at a young age they each might trust in the Lord Jesus as their Lord and Savior and might truly believe this truth of the resurrection. We thank you, dear Father, that you never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you for uh, the guidance that you give to those who make decisions for us, all those who lead us. We pray that they will lead us where we need to go. And as always, we thank you for your call upon us as your church to go into all the world and make disciples. We continue to pray that you will place within our hearts the desire and a love for the lost that we see the Lord Jesus have 
And we pray that we might be found faithful in the work of your church this day and in the days to come. would ask your blessing upon us to that end, for we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We do want to reaffirm our faith in this God whose power raised Jesus on the third day. We do so using the words of the Apostles' Creed. If you're visiting with us, they're printed for you in your bulletin. Let's stand together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our hymn of dedication is an insert in your bulletin, Worship Christ the Risen King. grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit stay with you this day and remain with you forevermore. Amen.